James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favouritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Are you wise? Well, we'll see. Because in these verses, James is going to tell you what wisdom should look like. By the time I'm finished, you know if you're wise or otherwise. Wisdom isn't about knowing stuff. Wisdom is about choosing the best way to get to the best result. Not just knowing the best way, but doing the best thing. So before he says anything else about wisdom, James reminds us wisdom is about how you live. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. When he says wisdom will show in good conduct, he doesn't mean moral goodness. Yes, of course, wise people will be holy, obedient Christians. But the word James uses here emphasises the beauty of goodness. Like when you see that big turkey dinner set in front of you at Christmas and you say, man, that looks good. Wise people do good things. The way they live is beautiful. It's attractive. But there's something about the way they do those good things. They do them in the meekness of wisdom. Wise people do good things with gentleness, tenderness and warmth. Even when a wise person corrects you or tells you off, you'll know he loves you because you'll feel the tender care in his words. Man, there's a skill to learn. Practice that one with your children. So a wise man is a good man and a gentle man. But James wants you to think more closely about this. So he goes on to tell us some things about false wisdom and then he gives us some more markers of true wisdom. He tells us how false wisdom shows. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. People who have bitter envy in their hearts are kidding themselves. They're not wise. 
people who don't like to have their ideas challenged, people who don't like to be criticised, people who don't like to see others making progress and overtaking them, people who don't like to see others gain recognition or status, and when those things do happen they react bitterly, they're not wise people. But bitter envy is maybe not the best word for what James has in mind. The word he uses could also be translated as zeal. Harsh zeal is what he's talking about, and that includes zeal for good things expressed in a harsh way. He's talking about people like Mr. Ever So Zealous to Defend the Truth, Mr. Take a Stand for What is Right, Mr. Fight for the Faith. He's talking about people who stand for good things, but their attitude is harsh, bitter, vindictive, angry, coarse, And Jim says, that's false wisdom. Isn't it so easy when you become zealous and passionate about something, even some important biblical truth, to proclaim it with harshness? It's false wisdom. The same is true of selfish ambition. If you want to put yourself before others, that's false wisdom too. James tells us in no uncertain terms where false wisdom comes from. This wisdom does not descend from above, he says, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. It's the way the world thinks. It comes out of your old sinful nature, and the devil himself is behind it. And he tells us what false wisdom does. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. It is true, isn't it? You look at any group of Christians where people are jockeying for position and where harshness in their dealings with one another is acceptable and you'll find confusion. Scrip just a little and not far beneath the surface you'll find pretense, dishonesty, hatred and even gross immorality. That's all by way of warning. False wisdom, how it shows where it comes from, and what it does. But James wants you to see in more detail what true wisdom looks like. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's quite a list, but let's take a few minutes to look at it because some of the words James uses there need a bit of explanation. They don't mean what you might immediately think. A wise man will be pure. He will live a morally pure life. But what's in mind here is that his thoughts and motives will be pure too. Pure in the sense that they'll be unmixed. There'll be no pride or covetousness or anything like that in there. As well as that, there'll be no ulterior motives, there'll be no duplicitousness, and he'll be 100% committed in whatever he does. He will, for example, be totally devoted to God and totally sincere in his dealings with you. A wise man will be a peaceable man, he'll be at peace within himself. He'll not be a man who is easily ruffled, he'll be a contented and calm person. He'll see no need to envy or grapple for anything. He'll also be a peacemaker. He'll endeavour to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.13. 
He'll pursue the things which make for peace, Romans 14, verse 19. If it is possible, as much as depends on him, he'll live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, 18. A man who stirs up strife or who's spoiling for a fight or an argument is not a wise man. A wise man will be gentle. This is different to the kind of gentleness we talked about when we talked about meekness. This man is fair-minded. He'll be open to reason and persuasion. He'll not stubbornly hold on to his own view. He'll listen to other people and consider what they have to say. A wise man is willing to yield. A wise man will not complain when others are given preference. When he's wronged, he won't pursue his rights. He won't argue back on his own behalf. He won't feel the need to vindicate himself. He'll make allowance for the weaknesses and failings of others. What is it you want to do when somebody takes something that's yours? What is it you want to do when somebody says something about you that's not true? You want to contradict, don't you? You want to put the record straight. Maybe you even want to show them that they can't get away with it. And when you do argue back and try to put the record straight, what almost invariably happens? Do you achieve anything? An argument is the most you get. And is anybody convinced by it? God's kingdom certainly isn't advanced. Yield. Give way. According to James, that's the wise thing to do. You want to contend, and it seems like you should, but hasn't James just told you where that kind of wisdom comes from? A wise man is full of mercy. When others wrong him, he doesn't treat them the way they deserve to be treated. A wise man is full of good fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A wise man is impartial. It means he's steady. When he makes a decision or forms an opinion, the principles that guide him are always the same. They are principles taken from God's word, you see. And because he always works on the same principles, he won't do one thing today and something different tomorrow. He won't be swayed by circumstances or the opinions of other people. You can rely on him and depend on him. A wise man is without hypocrisy. He's sincere. What you see is what you get. You always know where you stand with a wise man. You could look at James List and think a wise man would be a real walkover. You could do what you like to him and get away with it. In fact, that's the argument most people use against most of what James says here. They say, that's all very well, but you have to be wise. You can't let people walk all over you. You have to defend the truth. And they sound very wise when they say it. So why do you not have to argue and contend? The answer is because God is in control. God is working his purpose out and his purpose will never fail. People can say and do what they like, but God's kingdom will come. You don't have to defend the truth or the church or the Bible. You don't have to fight to change the world. And as far as you and your rights are concerned, your heavenly father who loves you is a God of justice. One day justice will be perfectly done. He will see to that and all the wrongs will be made right. If God is going to do that, 
Why would you want to have a go at it yourself and run the risk of getting in his way? Where wise men and women exercise influence, they create around themselves the fruit of righteousness, not by contending and striving. They do it peacefully, with gentleness and meekness. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now let me ask you again, are you wise?